This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Afrel Chachanukah, everybody, whatever's left of it. Um, it's very nice to be here in the Academy again on this uh, Yomi Yun. It uh, shows a lot of interest of the students at Talmidim in different important issues. And the issue that we would like to speak about today, I think is an issue that's rising in importance. Um, it, t- it used to be that people accepted authority and that was it. And you know, authority said, and people took it without question, without thinking. Today, people want to think about issues, consider issues, question issues which definitely in many ways is an improvement. And we run into issues where uh, the Torah, Kodesh Baruch Hu, is telling us something which we think of questioning, we don't quite understand its moral validity and so on. So I would like to address that issue and try to get an understanding of what the Torah approach is. And that's why we called our uh, class today God and the Limits of Human Reason. I am going to start with what I think is the basis for any um, hashkaf of this topic. Um, the place that I think maps out in a broad sense the topic, and then we will try to deal with one or two ramifications. Okay, the, the, um, this piece is a Rambam. In his Shemona Prakim, Ramam is called Shemona Prakim because it's eight uh, chapters. No surprise there. It is his introduction to Perkyavis. He deals with some very important points, but it doesn't really have any um, sequence to it in that sense. I think he basically is setting up certain points that he needs as introductions for Perkyavis. Be it as it may, this is the sixth parak. And he speaks about a philosophical issue that had puzzled people. And the question was, which is, who is superior? A person who has a desire to do bad and yet somehow manages to rein it in and to do the good? Or someone who is not at all tempted and he um, only wants to do the good? So. The Ramam says, the, um, f- he brings the philosopher's point of view that um, someone who is, doesn't even want to do the bad is a better person than a person who craves the bad. What does the Torah say? So he brings what seems to be a contradiction. On the one hand, he brings Shlomo Melech in Mishlei. Shlomo Melech says, Nefesh Rasha Ifsara. The soul of a wicked person desires bad. In other words, a bad person wants bad. Um, also, it says that the the, the opposite side, simcha the righteous person enjoys um, doing what's right, and this in turn, the good and the right is for them a um, is is for them 
uh, upsetting. In other words, what the person wants and desires is really who the person is, and therefore good people want good, bad people want bad, and so on. However, if you look at what Chazal wrote about it, we have a very, very different uh, approach. They said, um, If someone is bigger than someone else, he's got stronger desires and strong cravings to do bad. Which, um, even if we'll learn that the Rambam is not, doesn't actually mean uh, it's, it's, it's not because you want more bad, you're a bigger person. But at the end of the day, we're calling him a bigger person, we're assuming to be a bigger person, and he has stronger cravings and desires for the bad. Similarly, they say from Agra that the more difficult it is to do something, the more reward you get. And the understanding is that difficulty at the end of the day is internal. Even if there's a heavy price to pay, it's going to be an internal issue. So he says, um, more than that, what's really, really is um, problematic is a statement, and this is in Safra, this is Taras Karnim, and Reb Shemir says, Lo yoma adam erva. A person should not say, I simply can't imagine eating basa b'chalav. It's unthinkable. Yucks. It would be horrible to a shatnes. I couldn't possibly live with a woman I'm not supposed to. Ela efshi, I would, I certainly would like to do so, can do so. My essa, what can do? Uh, but Hashem prohibited it. So Ram says, on the on the face of it, these two um, these two approaches contradict each other. Um, the the Shlomo Melech seems to indicate that good people only desire to do good, whereas Chachamim here seem to um, to to be of the opinion that the person's attitude should lechatchila be, I will do what is. Um, I, I, I will want to do what's bad, but you know, at a, in in turn, in in a sort of subservience to God, in submission to God, I refrain from it. So the Rambam tells us there are. So Ram resolves the issue by saying, yes, both these approaches are appropriate, each in his in its own um, in its own. A place. He says, um, the, he says like this, those things, those things that are um, bad to, that are inherently bad to the human mind. For that, it is appropriate that a person not even crave or desire it. And so on. Hurting people, stealing, um, all of these things are mitzvahs that he says are that has that Chacham said even had Hashem not written them we would have written them they should have been written down 
they're called, the Ramam says a little disparagingly, he doesn't like the title, Mitzvah Sichlius. Those are mitzvahs where a person ought not to crave or desire them at all. Good people do not crave to steal, etc. And he says, Vein Somebody who doesn't want to do it is lacking. Um, and therefore, those mitzvahs we are um, we are instructed to get to a point where we don't even crave to do them. But the type of mitzvahs um, that one ought to say, I would like to do it, but what can I do? God has commanded me not to do. For that, it's appropriate to um, want to do it, and yet um, be, and, and yet to say, I'm refraining because God told me. So let's sum up. The Rambam is speaking about two types of mitzvahs, um, what we would call mishpatim, sichlim, and chukim. Mishpatim, one need the, it is it is an it is part of the obligation of mitzvah that one identify emotionally and logically with the mitzvah and its essence. So the mitzvah of um, the mitzvah. Of, uh, um, of of not stealing, of not robbing, of charity possibly, is to do it and to understand it to the degree that one readily identifies with it and feels that he himself believes that and understands that from within himself. The, under, the other side is those mitzvahs that belong to what's called chok, the attitude, the appropriate attitude is that we're doing it because we were told and and we're not um, and, and we have no other feel for it except that we're commanded to do so. This is not only the Rambam's formulation about Chok, um, it is the Gemara's formulation. The Gemara in Yuma says, Es mishpotai tasu the Pasik says in Mayiku you shall do Mishpatim. What is Mishpatim? Dvarim shall mole nichtavu dinushekasu. Things that even had they not been written, they 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 ought to have been written. In other words, it's something which um elementary human understanding um makes it appropriate that one that one uh, do so. And and it, it's interesting. It does list a few items in the Gemara that the Ram does not list: the worshiping idols, but shvichas damim gezel and so on. What is this chukosay tishmeru? You shall keep those mitzvahs that are chok. Dvarim, he says, shashatan meishevaleim. These are things that the satan is he finds a place where he pushes back against us, which is eating chaza, wearing shatnis. Um, Chalitza, Metzora, and so on. Now he says, the the, the Braisa finishes. Vishema Toma Tohuheim. So maybe you'll you'll say, okay, these mitzvahs really have no substance. They really are meaningless. No, Talmud Loma Ani Hashem. That's why it says the end of the pasuk Ani Hashem Ani Hashem Chakaktiv. I, Akadish Baruch, who have made a chok out of it, you do not have rishus to think about it. 
the 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 elementary meaning of the word rishos that sort of leaps at you means you don't have permission, which doesn't quite in any way explain the context of this. Um, so, well, if if the goyim, um, if if all the nations rightly mock us for this, so by saying that we don't have permission, it's not really quite satisfactory. Why not? Um, what, why wouldn't we have permission for this? I mean, if we're meant to understand Torah, let's understand it all. If we're meant not to understand it, then then why do we understand any of it? Make up, you know, either or. That's the question. So we, we have as the basis for how we're going to deal with Torah mitzvahs, it's going to be by dividing Chok from Mishpat. Mishpat we're going to study it and think about it and mull over it to a degree that it becomes integrated with us emotionally and and and, and uh, intellectually. And if there is a problem with that, we're going to need to ask ourselves what's wrong with us. And whereas chok and those things that we identify as chok, we're going to um, give up on trying to understand it emotionally. Actually, we might learn some. We, we might learn some important points from it, but by and large, the mitzvah is something that's alien, and we have to accept it as such. So, but the, my question now is, what's the point of it? Why is it that we, if a Baruch Hu would like us to understand things, why not everything? And if a Baruch Hu uh, wants us just to be mystified, well, why not everything? So let's go to the very, very beginning of the Torah. It says, God created man. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, Let us make a person in Bitsalmenu. And, you know, you, they, in English it takes on different forms, in our form, in our kind, or whatever it is. Rashi explains what is Bitsalmenu. Rashi says, Lehovin or Lehaskil. Um, and I'd like to um, uh, pay particular attention. Lehovin in broad strokes, means intelligence. A, 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 human beings are intelligent, animals not. There's a problem with that, with, with, with that description, because intelligence is a sliding scale. Um, you know, animals understand a certain amount of things, smarter animals understand still more things, and extremely smart animals extend an awful lot, but we understand still more. So they have things about birds being able to count to the five or six or whatever it is, um, and then other different things, they can learn how to use tools, and they can maybe try to make a tool. It's not as if uh, animals are devoid of intelligence. So where do you draw that line? And remember, here we're talking about creation, and God said, until now, we have every type of being created, have long necks and short necks and flying and swimming, and um, at this point, we want to make someone that can be hovering on Haskell. If it's just a question of gradation, an intelligence from 30 points to 50 points to 100 points, that doesn't seem to be a new category. So let's make a smarter animal. That's not the way it's written in the Torah. In Torah we have kind of absolute categories. How do we understand that? So the word lahav and lahaskil means um, t- 
to sort of grasp something in a way where you sit back and you have a feel for something you sort of um it 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 it, it, it it's something that our consciousness absorbs and we're aware of it something that we feel animals do not have and lahavla haskell means we will understand things the way Kavayachal Hashem understands it. Meaning, if I, if Hashem understands something as being bad or good, we will instinctively understand it as such. So, we what it means. So, just like, for instance, if I say my taste is similar to your taste, so that means whatever aesthetic taste you have, you like things that are that are kind of big and tall and bold. I like the same type of stuff, you like the same type of stuff. We understand each other in terms of what it is that we, how we look at things, how we sense things, how our aesthetic taste is. Akadosh Baruch Hu made a being whose moral sense and taste of things is similar to his. That is what we are. Now, there's a bit of a conundrum here. In the very sense that we're supposed to be Bitsalmenu Kidmuseinu, that means in some ways we will be godlike, and in some ways not. We are godlike in some ways, but obviously we're creatures, we're creations of God, and at some point we will not be like Him. So so so, how do you split the how do you split the two? Um, so, so the answer is, we're going to have to make show two circles that overlap somewhere, and there are areas that don't overlap, or else it's identical. So, God and man are so to speak circles that overlap, and we have a moral sensitivity that is God-like, but it's only part of it, a part of God. So there will be areas that Hashem says is bad and good that it resonates with us, and we feel the same way, or we feel the same way after a bit of, of thinking about it. And there are areas that Hashem says it's bad or it's good, and we draw a blank. But we understand that it's something that it comes from the source of good and bad, and we accept his definition. So the bifurcation of Chok and Mishpat are there to give us the complete picture of the right and the wrong, that and the right and the wrong that divides God's understanding of right and wrong, which is total, to man's which is partial. By the way, as an aside of sorts, this was the area that the snake, that the Nachash, um, tried to, um, to to hit home with Adam Arishon. Adam Arishon is a Lahavana Haskell. He's someone who can get it. He can understand it. And he can... Um, you know, he 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 it it he he can have that feel, that inner feel for good and bad. 
it's very frustrating for a person to say to, to be told you only have a partial sense of right and wrong you don't have the whole picture not just that you don't happen to have the information your heart will not cringe at wearing sharpness it just you know nothing nothing you know you can bring the it, 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 you can bring it to my attention and i'll say Klum. doesn't register with me as being anything particularly bad so he told him you know if you eat an eats that's what it takes to become an entity that all good and bad is going to be something that you'll be able to instinctively sense and that was a powerful powerful draw because part of us this is us for part of us this is Adam um, and that's why this was the ultimate crime that went to the heart of man trying to be like God so gave us two sets of mitzvahs um, mitzvahs that will um, develop in us a sense of um, a kinship to God and a sense of um, identifying with God in a, in a very inner way and mitzvahs that give us a clear sense of that separation. I want to read a Rabbeinu Bechaya in Bamidbar who um, talks about this and Rabbeinu Bechaya um, makes this point um, he, 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 I feel this is a central point of his. He talks about Chok in the Torah and he explains what is the um, concept of Chok and why, why it's called a Chok and where it comes from. He doesn't like um, the, wor- the, 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 um, the people saying that it's something which is, has no reason but he says why is it called Chok? He said Miloshen Gvul boundaries. Keinyak Shakasa like says in the Pasuk, Ashesamti Chol Gvulayam, Chokalomyavena. I've put the sand down as a barrier to the ocean, as as a border to the ocean. Chokolam Loyavena. It's a chok, it is an eternal chok that it won't pass it. Um also Chukasyrahamlaila, Kloma Gvulayovalaila. The 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 boundaries between day and night is called a chaik. This teaches us that this is a line not to be crossed. Now, um, let's go back a minute to the Rambam, uh, to the Gemara, I'm sorry. That the Gemara says, um, it, it, it says, Ein l'charishus I would like to redefine that word rishus. We had a problem. If rishus means permission, then the goyim are sort of right. You guys are fools. This is something that makes a lot of. Um, this makes uh, this is foolish. And why would you not want to do it? And saying that we have no permission is not very satisfying. Choik, he means over here is rishus. I'm sorry. The word rishus means domain. It, it's it's it means a, an ability. The Rambam, when he speaks about bechira, he calls it harishus um, nesunul chal adam. 
Rishus is like the word Rishus, Roshus meaning um, sovereignty, uh, um, domain, an area where you have the ability to uh, express yourself, uh, dominate, uh, rule, etc. That's what a Rishus is. And Rishus is, is, is government. Uh, the sovereign is, is Rishus. Elchoshus means this is not in your domain. The world of mitzvahs that are mishpat are in your domain, and therefore thinking about it is gives you the, you have the ability to master it intellectually. Chok um, is something that's out of your domain. That's maybe what the word rishus means. So we have Rabbi Nebuchai over here, which says that it's it's something which is a boundary and it forms a border between what is our um, w- which is the, the part of us that is godlike and the part of us that is beyond us um, the Rambam in Moronavuchim says something that is similar but I think it's going a step further, and that's why I would like to de- discuss the Rambam Moronavuchim. And similarly, um, I would like to look at a Joshua Saran, who I, I think are saying something um, quite similar. The um, the 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 Rambam Moronavuchim. This is in, in the second part of Moronavuchim, in chapter forty. He says. Um, he, he's speaking over here about distinguishing between different religions or not religions as much as philosophies, ideologies, which one can can, can certainly be termed a, um, a, a uh, religion and which is not. He says, If you find an ideology, the word Torah here is the generic sense of Torah, not specific Torah. If the purpose of this um, Torah is to um, construct a society or a nation that is just and people don't kill each other and people get along, there's nothing there that goes beyond that that speaks to the higher, higher intelligent person. Um, so and so that is clear da, he says, um, it is simply a Torah that is part of society, social organization. It is not a divine Torah. In other words, if the purpose of it is, this, I guess something like Plato's Republic, would construct a society that is most effective, most efficient, most just, that's great. That is not religion. That's merely a, um, a, a, a type of... It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a, a, a sociology. Ukeshetimtza, he says... Um, Torah. 
עד שידע מציז כל תחום זמס, תדע שזו סנהוג ומיתיס פרח של התורה הלויקיס. says, now, if you find a teaching which besides trying to make a just society that runs well, it also begins, it offers you insight into the um, beyond the, the person, uh, be, uh, in, into the world that's divine, abstract, etc., then we know that we've hit onto something that's called Torah in the divine sense of the word, because this Torah is serving as a bridge to understand that which is beyond um, uh, my world. So the purpose of Chok is to give us a feel and a sense for a world beyond our world. Yes, in as much as we're citizens of this world, we can only understand physical things, maybe society if we're a little more sensitive, but but a, a good of something that's beyond this world, a good of a very different type, is something that um, you, it needs to be revealed, and it needs to come from the divine. It's something we could extrapolate from our common experience, and that's why this is what it does. So he says, um, the the the, um, the 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 so the, the Ramam says the purpose of all of these mitzvahs is to give us insight and a sense of things that are beyond us. The Drushes Haran, Drushes Haran was written by someone who wrote the same. It's it's he's the same author of the Ran that's in the back of the Gemaris that had such extensive halachic um, material. He wrote a very, very um, wonderful work on Chomish. It's a classic work of philosophy called Drasharan. It's not so known because it's quite lengthy and people today don't like things that are lengthy, but it's a very, very fundamental work. And he says like this, it says, if you, the Pazik says in Dvarim, if you will keep the mitzvahs um, it, it, they are. They will. People will look at you as being very wise. When they hear of all of these laws, they can say, "Wow, this must be a very wise nation." He says. Um, the the the. So Ran explains that this is sort of. Um, this is addressing a problem that we're going to face when the other nations will laugh at us and they'll say, well, what a, what a, what a silly a, a group of people. It says, it says, no, if you keep all the chukim there, people will admire and say how wonderful you are. Kimi goi gadol asher lo You know, who's got such a wonderful God? Now, um, he sort of is bothered by the problem that um, how how would that happen through hope? Um, you know, if anything, the guy will laugh at us, like it says. So he says, <laughs> so he says, you know, um, 
if somebody does something that is irrational and highly unsuccessful, he tries to heal somebody waving his arms on top of him. We consider him an idiot and a fool and so on. Um, if we see somebody healing somebody with conventional stuff, you know, we see it as a fair level of intelligence and that's that. It's it's the intelligence of the things around it. We've tried a thousand things. And aspirin is the thing that works and that's that. But somebody who goes ahead and with highly unconventional and baffling um, medications or whatever it is heals and accomplishes something then we say wow that's that's incredibly smart that's that's it's like it doesn't make sense within anything and it's working and that's why you see something beyond the norm in that so Duran says from the world of mishpat whatever good comes out of mishpat is fine and people will be okay with it but no one's going to come out with any profound admiration for the for us but when they see us doing things that are not that are inexplicable and it still works then they understand that our knowledge and understanding comes from a world beyond what they're what they're used to and and it shows an extra measure of of chachmedas by the way, and I mean this is just a good point. The run before that does explain that this is only if we do both. If we do mishpat appropriately and we add to it chok, then everybody's u and ah comes from the chok, because that shows me an intelligence or or wisdom beyond what they would do. But if what they're doing. If, if if we only keep the chokim and not the mishpat, then people will say that mishpat is also that the chok is 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 nonsense, and we're simply using it as a fig leaf to cover up our lack of mishpat. But be it as it may, the Ran here also says that in a, in a different way of a different explanation, the beyond that point, the chok that reveals godliness because it's beyond human understanding the fact that it's beyond human understanding is what makes it um it, it, it is what it makes it the extraordinary rather than just uh, you know the, the the commonplace what normal wisdom would come up with so let's uh, just review briefly the points we've made and and just uh, uh, apply it the the, the we we started out by asking how do we deal with human intelligence vis-a-vis God we need to deal with it in two ways Hashem gave us a Torah that contains elements of both parts of the puzzle the part of the circle that overlaps with God so to speak in which we are godlike and not only can we do what's expected of us but we can actually um we can actually even understand it and sort of live it in in our hearts and minds and souls that's one piece of the equation and the second piece is there are the pieces that we don't understand and we don't know and this is we stand back in awe and we say, this is God's. Um, 
this this division between the two is based on the Rambam Prakim, who says that in the world of Mishpat we're supposed to work in it to identify with it in the world that's not Mishpat we, we in the Chok world we have to just kind of accept it as such accept it as Hashem wants and that's the only reason that we can accept its validity um, we have also the understanding of the importance of having a Chok Mishpat one is to draw that sharp line and understand that there's something we don't understand and then we have uh, another point to it it helps us identify with the beyond our world with the world that's sort of ruchnius and spiritual and so on so going back to our very very first point um, we need to recognize both sides of the equation and on the one hand the extraordinary um, gift of Lahav Lahaskel which means our emotions and uh, our emotion and um, minds can identify mishpat, identify with mishpat, and that's because we are divine-like, we're god-like, and and the part of us that's god-like has that, as opposed to the world of chok, which is the dividing line between the two, between us and Kashbarhu. The kelokim gets split over here. And Tzalmenu Dmuseinu means our likeness. We are like Akash Baruch Hu Mishpat, but we're only alike by by looking at Chok. On a deeper point, Chok itself becomes the bridge and to help us have a higher understanding. So even though... um, So let's give an example for it. Imagine... Um, what, what I mean getting a higher understanding how do we get to a higher understanding imagine I'm a very very kind of scientific type of person I like to see everything quantified so explain to me um, looking at the, at the water damage on the floor how did it happen okay let me put it down for you X amount of water at X amount of time on top of Y material creates the following effect. I quantify it, make a formula out of it, and this is true. And I say, great, now I understand it. Now I take a look around and I say, look at these beautiful paintings. What makes a painting beautiful? And the guy starts talking and I say, one second, I'd like you to quantify it. Tell me how much red has to be there in proportion to how much green and to what size canvas, and then I'll know what's beautiful. And the guy says, no. It's not only you're wrong, but you need to throw away your mindset. It has nothing to do with quantifying things, bringing formulas or evidence. Throw away your mindset and sit with me and I'll help you absorb it and understand it. Um, but you, you can don't try to impose the, the, the mechanisms of, of quantifiable understanding to something that's very different. So we're told, yes, part of the understanding of the MS is done through mishpat and that's how we understand emes and and and, and we really can, can wrap our hands around it chok cannot be understood that way chok needs to have a different i need to throw away 
my my um, all my tendencies of how I would think about why stealing is wrong and why killing is wrong and so on. And I just need to be able to start feeling Kashris and Paraduma and so on. It says Moshe Rabbeinu, it says, we don't know the reason Paraduma, Shadema knows the reason Paraduma. It doesn't mean that this, it's a reason we could understand. And Akash told it to Moshe and didn't tell it to us. No. It's, it's, it's a, it, it means that Moshe Rabbeinu's understanding is a type of understanding that will happen. Moshe Rabbeinu's understanding is a type, he's reached that type of understanding that can understand hope. So long as we try to cram coke, so all these halachas, the things that become controversial, where the contemporary mind or mindset doesn't recognize the problem of X, Y, or Z, they don't know why this is a, a sin or a problem. That's if we go to rack our brains in a similar way that they do, we we also won't get it. It just can't be gotten that way. It's only when we recognize that this belongs to a different world and we let our minds be taken to that world, that we can actually um, gain insight and understanding in it. Um, you know, it's let's say Hanukkah, and the struggle with Yovan was, Yovan wanted to put everything into that box of understanding. They were, they were the primary nation that really, really needled us, and they said, this is nonsense. Use your head. This is rubbish. There's no way this makes sense. And they were right because they limited the world to just that circle of human being. Of, and that's it. We don't have Rishus for the other area. It's not our domain. And our mind will not be able to wrap ourselves around it. We start by keeping it as a reminder that we're not the boss of everything. As a reminder that there's a, that there's a boundary. And this is, you know, um, this belongs to Shemayim, not to Aretz. That's what that boundary of Chok is. On a much deeper understanding, it's the bridge, not a boundary. Doing those mitzvahs gives us a feel for for a world beyond. And if we're willing to put away our mindset of, 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 of you know, sort of quantifiable bits and pieces and sort of take out our feelers of Kedusha and get a feeling, you know, allow us to develop the sensitivity to Kedusha, we will get a time in it, and it will be a time of a very, very different nature than the than than the understandings and feelings we have towards the mitzvahs mishpatim. Fellow Hanukkah.